You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37. Uh, Just feels like it's a tough crowd, but we're going to push through. You're going to like this message. I promise you'll like this message. I've preached it twice already, and it's come out different both times, which is probably nothing nothing, uh, unusual. All right, Ezekiel 37. The title of my message tonight is Prophesy in the Valley. Prophesy in the Valley. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then He caused me to pass by them all around. Then He caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many. In the open valley. And indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones. And say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet in exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have performed it, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. You can almost just sit down right there. What an amazing passage of Scripture. I like that passage of Scripture. I haven't preached on it uh, in the 15 years of our church because Pastor Phil always preaches on it and I didn't want to kind of steal his... But I felt like I got revelation and I felt like I got a green light to preach in the paranormal series. May I, may I just kind of introduce tonight with, with the, the, the fact that, that you and I live in a, in a place where you and I are called to be paranormal. That you don't, you don't war in flesh and blood. We don't war in the natural realm. You and I are not like any other creature. The animals are flesh, but they have no spirit. The angels are spirit, but they have no flesh. You are both flesh and spirit. You are flesh and spirit. You are, you are terrestrial from this earth. God, God formed man from the dust of the ground, from the dust of the earth, from the dust of Adama. But he breathed into him the breath of life from, from the spirit of God. So you have heaven 
and you have earth. You have two dimensions operating on the inside of you. The reason that man is created to have dominion in the earth is because you and I can access heaven. You and I can access God. You and I through our spirit can commune with God, hear from God. And God has given us the ability to prophesy, to speak what we hear from heaven. Baboons cannot prophesy. Giraffes and lions and hippopotamus and rhinoceros and crocodiles cannot prophesy. They can devour, they can consume, but they cannot prophesy. You and I can prophesy. We can speak the word of the Lord. Whenever you prophesy, whenever you bring the word of the Lord, you, you, it's the game changer. The game changer to every circumstance and situation is the word of the Lord. So the title of my message is Prophesy in Your Valleys. The Bible teaches us that, that there is a warfare, that Satan, we have an adversary. The Bible says 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word adversary means one who actively opposes. Therefore, many times in this life, you'll find you're under spiritual attack. Tonight, I'm not talking about that so much as I'm talking about being in a valley. Because on top of spiritual attacks, there are moments where you're going to find yourself in a valley. There are moments where you'll find yourself in a low point. You'll find yourself in a valley. It could be a valley of depression. It could be a valley financially, a loss of job, a loss of income. It could be a valley relationally. You've gone through a breakup or a messy divorce and you're in a valley. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and He lifted me up and He brought me out and He set me down in a valley. And as Ezekiel was in the valley, he says, the Lord caused me to go around and I saw bones. I'm in a graveyard. I'm surrounded by death. There's no life here. There's no life. It's just death. Everywhere I look, there's death. And he says, and when I looked and looked at the bones and behold, they were very dry and there were very many. He, he's overwhelmed. But then the word of the Lord speaks to him. He says, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? God is asking him, not because God doesn't know. Whenever God asks you, it's not because he doesn't know. God is trying to locate Ezekiel. Your words locate you. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The, 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 the words that come out of your mouth reveal the level of faith in your heart. Four points, really quick. Number one, prophesy in your valley. Prophesy in your valley. God does His finest work in valleys. God does His finest work in valleys. David defeated Goliath in a valley. The Bible says there was a hill on one side where the Israelites were. There was a hill on the other side where the Philistines were. And every day for 40 days and 40 nights, the champion of Gath, the champion of the Philistines, walked from the mountaintop down into the valley. Notice they weren't fighting on the mountain he went down into the valley. He went down into the valley and for 40 days piping off, give me a man that we may fight in the valley. It's amazing how the devil will position himself in your valley. It's amazing how the devil will position himself in your valley. When, 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 when you're in a valley, you need to understand the valley is actually a compliment from God. The, the, the valley is, is God saying, I'm about to promote you. God puts you in a valley 
because there's a problem in the valley that he wants to teach you how to solve because in the overcoming of that problem in the valley there's a coronation and an exaltation to another level what David defeated in the valley became the echo and the amen to what happened in a private room where he was anointed with oil by Samuel. It became obvious who the next king of Israel was going to be, the giant slayer who slayed the giant. In the, whenever you're in a valley, whenever you're in a valley, you need to understand that God is about to promote you. That on the other side of the giant, on the other side of that problem, on the other side of that depression, on the other side of that anxiety, you're going to face moments where you're in a valley and it looks impossible. 16-year-old shepherd boy, going up against a fully armored giant called Goliath. And the Bible says David had no armor on, no armor and no sword in his hand. There was no sword in David's hand. Everybody who was looking saw David, the 16-year-old kid, up against a giant. But David didn't see that. David looked at the giant. The giant looked at David. The giant looked at David and says, am I a dog? That you come to me with stick? David's like, oh, I forgot my stick. He didn't have a stick. He just had a, had a shepherd's pouch with five smooth stones and his sling. But Goliath is there heavily armored, glistening in the sun, has a bronze helmet on his head, a bronze coat of mail, armor on his shins, armor on his forearms. The Bible says he has a sword, a spear, and a javelin. And the Bible says a shield bearer goes before him. It's two against one. David is completely vulnerable. He has no weaponry on him. He has no armor. He has no protection on him. And Goliath says to me, come to me, boy. And I'll feed your, beast, your, your body to the beasts of the field and the birds. And David just looks at him. And David prophesies in the valley. And he says, he doesn't, he doesn't speak according to the perspective of man. He says, you come against me with your sword and your spear. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose armies you have to... See, Goliath is looking at David. And Goliath is thinking, I can't lose. David is looking at Goliath. And David knows you can't win. Because you think you're fighting a shepherd boy? Let me tell you how I got into this battle. I talked to the king of Israel who was trying to talk me out of it. He said, Goliath has been a man of war from the youth and you're just a youth. You're not able. So I reminded him, your servant has killed both lion and bear. When the lion rose up against me, I struck it and killed it. When the bearer, I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it down and killed it. The same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion, the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear is the same God that I feel with me right now. And as I walk into the valley, I ain't walking into the valley alone. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. He knew that God was with him in the valley. The only time you got to worry in a valley is if you went there by yourself. But you need to understand God turns up in valleys. And so Goliath cannot see that behind David is the Almighty God, is the God of Israel. And David says, you come against me with your sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose armies you have defied. Why did he say in the name of the Lord of hosts? Because when I call the name of the Lord, guess who responds? The reason God has revealed his name is so you can call upon him. They will call upon my name and I will answer them, says the Lord. That's why he revealed his name. 
I come against you in the name of the Lord. One call, one cry. I've been given access. He revealed his name. And when I call his name, it's game over for you, Mr. Goliath. This day, I'll take your head from your body and I'll feed your body to the beasts of the field. So the whole world may know there's a God in Israel. You and I have been given the name that is above every other name. So you prophesy in the valley. Don't let Goliath have the biggest voice. Don't let the doctors, don't let the experts. You prophesy in the valley. You take the word of the Lord and you prophesy. Second point, your mouth's confession is the setting of what's possible. Your mouth's confession is the setting of what's possible. Goliath, sorry, excuse me. God says to David in the valley, he knows that he's just got to prophesy. He knows he's got to prophesy. He knows that God is with him. He knows the will of God. Goliath has a narrative. God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, in your valley, what you're looking at looks like death. What you're looking at looks impossible. Can these bones live? I, I like Ezekiel because he says, oh, Lord God, you know. Because when he's looking at it, the instruments of his brain, the instruments of his heart, the instrument of his emotions, that's all been shaped by his history. Everything says impossible, impossible, impossible. But I dare not tell the God of impossible what is and isn't possible. So he says, oh Lord God, you know, you know. I'm not going to amen what I see. I'm not going to amen what I feel. So he says, Lord God, you know. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but God is doing that because he's trying to test what is in Ezekiel. Because your mouth sets the thermostat of possibility in your life. See, most people, most people will, will speak the narrative of it's hopeless. We write blogs and how hopeless it is. The bones are dry. Living with dry bones. Your bones are dry, my bones are dry, and that's okay. How to live in the midst of dry bones and still conjure up a smile every now and again. Turn your frown upside down while living with dry bones. I mean, just the claptrap that's out there. You weren't created to live in that realm. But watch this. Complaining is what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. It's an interesting thing that it's a 13-day journey from Egypt across the Jordan into Canaan, 13 days. 13 days from, from Egypt into Canaan. 40 years later, 40 years later, <laughs> they still haven't made it. So that tells me that it's not geography and that tells me that it's not natural. It, it can't be a natural imposition. The, 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 the hindrance cannot be of the natural realm. The reason that 40 years later they still have not crossed over is because they had the language of complaining. Twelve spies cross the Jordan River under the command of Moses that we heard. Ten spies come back with a negative report. They said, it is not possible. We are, we are not able. We saw giants in the land. 
They were mightier than I. They were greater than I. They were as tall. They were the sons of Anak. We are not able. We are not able to take them. But two of the, the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, what are you talking about? Of course, their protection has departed from them. Let us go up at once. In God, we are well able to take them. Now, you've heard me say before, well, who was right, the 10 or the 2? And the answer is all 12 were right. All 12 were right because they were modelling for you and I a principle in the Scripture that it is as you say. It is as you say. God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Because God knows it is as you say. 10 spies said, we are not able, and they're 100% correct. They were not able. They said, we cannot, we cannot take this land, and they were 100% correct. They did not take the land. They died on this side of the Jordan River. But the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, what are you talking about? Let us go up at once. We are well able. We're 100% correct as well. They crossed the Jordan. They sacked city after city. They, they divided the territory up amongst the, 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 the tribes. Let me just say this to you, that complaining which is the sin that children of Israel did for 40 years continually complained complaining is the spirit of unbelief being allowed to prophesy out of your life when you complain you literally say come spirit of unbelief and prophesy my destiny prophesy an invisible wall that I can't seem to break through, that I can't seem to, why do things never work out for me? I don't understand why that is. Everybody else seems to get ahead, but nothing ever is always stacked up against me. Life never seems to be, because you're prophesying. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. I don't think I like this teaching. He's hitting me right where I live. Look at him up there with his white jacket. What's he think he's doing? Oh, I don't like this at all, do I? See, here's the truth. You're never not prophesying. You're never not prophesying. Your job is to understand that every valley you go into has a narrative. Every valley you walk into has a narrative. Goliath was setting the narrative for 40 days and 40 nights. Give me a man that we may fight. If he is able to defeat me, we'll be your slaves. But if I defeat him, you'll be out for 40 days. He's setting the narrative. Here, the children of Israel had set a narrative. In verse 11, God is saying to, to, Israel, to Ezekiel, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. They had a narrative in the valley. There's a narrative around a cancer diagnosis. Oh, you've gone. Oh. There's, there's, a, there's a, a narrative around a doctor's diagnosis. There, there, there are narratives around these things, but can I tell you, your job in the valley is not to amen or echo. The, your job is to get the word of the Lord and prophesy in you. Change the narrative in your valley. Bring the word of the Lord into your valley and shoot the word. When you inject the word of the Lord, it never returns to him void. It always accomplishes that for which it was sent forth. 
I had a situation in, uh, oh gosh, I don't know where to start. Impossibility in New Zealand. Uh, Leanne was pregnant with our, with our eldest and we got a prophecy from a South African prophet. He prophesied over us and he said, you know, I, I, I see you needing things to be supplied. I, I don't know where you live right now, but God is going to give you a home. God is going to give you a home. He's going to pay your school fees. You watch, God's going to provide for you. He's going to pay your school. When Leanne and I started in ministry, there was no salary, no salary, but God sees it. Can I just tell you, if, uh, if something looks like it's owed to you and it's delayed, it's just gathering interest. The labor is worthy of his wages. The church couldn't pay us, so God just says, hey, I got you. Don't you worry about it. I know what's due to you. I keep, I keep a brilliant ledger, and I'm adding interest. I don't know where you live right now, but you're going to get a home. That's, that was the word of the Lord. So I... I start preaching and we'd start listening to that cassette every day that's how long ago it was cassette and then the associate pastor of the church heard about it so he called me into his office closed the door so I came in and he said oh some of the youth leaders were telling me that you're believing God for a home I said oh yeah did you hear that awesome prophecy he said I heard the prophecy but no no the house you're renting that's the promise I said, that might be your promise not our promise <laughs> on, God's going to give us a home he goes no no, no you, you, you you don't earn enough so he makes me sit there, and because he was the business manager as well as associate pastor, he calls every bank in, in Auckland. He said, my youth pastor is here. He earns 18000 New Zealand dollars, which is about $14 uh, American. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, would you give him a mortgage? And they're like, no, 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 no. Finally, one bank, ASB, Auckland Savings Bank, said, yeah, we'll give him a mortgage up to $40,000. And it was on speakerphone, so I said, I, I, I want a house, not a car. So finally he said, see, no one's going to give you a mortgage. You need to get that thing out of your head. The, the, the prophecy is the house you're renting. And, you know, he, he was speaking to an arrogant German. Forgive me. Because I'm just like, you can blow it out your shorts. I'm, I'm holding on to the prophecy. I'm keeping the prophetic word. If you want to believe. I, so, so I throw Leanne in the car. And so we start driving through, you know. So we, she's pregnant. We're driving through East Tamaki, you know, Otara, and, uh, which is kind of a bit of a ghetto area. We're kind of driving through. There's lots of gangs and graffiti everywhere. And anyway, finally Leanne looks up and she's like, what are we doing here? I said, well, you know, uh, well, you know we're looking for a house because I'm thinking maybe there's a house, where, you know, uh, with busted windows that's really run down that we can get, you know, maybe for a song because, you know, all the banks. And so that's, that narrative is still spinning in my head. And Leanne's like, I don't want to live here. I'm like, well, where do you want to live? She goes, I want to live in Waddle Downs. I'm like, we can't afford Waddle Downs. She said, I thought you said God was supplying. <laughs> you gotta hate being married to a woman of faith. So pulled up the handbrake and said, you're right. I had to do a U-turn. So we go down to Waddle Downs. So we're down in Waddle Downs. And, and uh, so, you know, we just saw homes and I, I don't know what else to do except for prophesying. So true story, we would go up to... Uh, Every house has a mailbox out the front. We'd lay hands on the mailbox and prophesy over all the ones we liked. We're like this one, God, you know, if you wanted to, this one, you know, until they came out. And then we're like, oh, you got mail, you know, and uh, so long story short, there was a beautiful lady, uh, an older lady in our church and, and she met Leanne in the supermarket and, you know, she said, oh, you know, where are you living? Leanne said, oh, well, we're looking for homes. In she goes, oh my gosh, my daughter. 
and my son, they're selling their home in Waddle Downs. So we're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So we get, drive to their house. We get to their house. We pull out and I thought, okay, what do I do? Prophesy. So I walk up to the, the, to the mailbox and I put my hand on the mailbox. As I put my hand on the mailbox, the word of the Lord came to me. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So I pulled my hand off and said, Holy Spirit, stop it. <laughs> Behave. This is Joni's daughter. God. Anyway, so... I said, now, all right, let's try that again. Put my hand on the mailbox and same thing again, the wealth of the sinner. So, Holy Spirit, will you, there's a whole Bible of verses. They all work, find God. And so, all right, here we go. Third time. And it comes again. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the, so I know this is the one that, I meant to prophesy, so I said, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs 13, 22. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up to the righteous. So I prophesy that. I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't know what was going on. But the reason that they were selling the house was because the daughter had just left the husband. The reason the daughter had left the husband was because they were in England because he got a promotion. He got a promotion, was in England, and they gave him like, you know, the corner office with the glass and a secretary. Apparently quite a cute secretary. He had a few business trips that he had to do, and he decided to take the secretary with him. And I guess it was, a, you know, a budget thing to save money rather than having two hotel rooms. What? Why else would they? Anyway, and so... I'm not sure he comes home, he's got lipstick on the collar or something. She finds out, that's it, she's done. He has no idea that 12,000 miles away is a kid who when he left to go to Bible school, his dad said, not one cent, not one cent. But that same kid read in the Psalms that if my mum and dad forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. He has no idea that a kid, that the business manager of the church says, no bank will give you a mortgage, no bank will give you a loan. He has no idea that that kid in a valley where everything looks hopeless with a little baby coming into the world is laying hands on his mailbox, not using natural weapons, but using paranormal weapons, using supernatural weapons, using the word of the Lord, prophesying the word of the Lord that the wealth of the sin, I have no idea what's going on, but God sees. So this guy hears that there's someone that wants to buy his house. Instead of flying back and meeting with me on the first day, he flies back and spends the first three days partying with his buddies. He meets me on the Thursday at the house. And he's like, well, you know, the house is you know, worth $195,000. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, what, you know, is, your, what's your, is your offer in that ballpark? He goes, well, what's your offer? And I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't even think it would get this far. <laughs> and I'm, I think I better say something. And so the banks told me I got nothing. When I look at my bank account, I got nothing. Been working the, for the church for free. Oh, I've just got to come up with a number. <laughs> Try not to insult him. So I said, 100,000? The language. And it wasn't French. I speak French, un petit français, s'il vous plaît. And this wasn't, he was, 
as he starts throwing his phone and kicking stuff around and gets in his car, winds his window down, says stuff about my mother that I know is not true and drives off. (laughs) Saturday, he meets with a real estate agent. He's flying out Sunday because he's got to be back for work. And so Saturday, the real estate agent, I guess, says to him, well, if you write me a check for $15,000, here's the marketing campaign and here's some of the stuff we're going to fix up in the house. We've got to do this and we've got to do paint and we've got to do... And so he, exasperated, calls me up and says, you can have the house for 105000 So I went to the banks and because of all the equity, at least we're in with a shot. What happened in my, in my valley was I prophesied. You've got to change the narrative. I had a couple, they had nine miscarriages, unable to have children. The doctor said their only hope was for adoption. And God says, prophesy over them. So they came out and I put my hand on their head and I prophesied. And as I prophesied, the word of the Lord came to me. He said, this time next year, you'll be holding a little baby girl. About a year later, I'm, I'd finished uh, worship leading. I stand down there and this couple come up. Hey, remember us? I'm like, ha, buddy. Which means I've got no idea who they are. <laughs> Yeah, champ. <laughs> Sorry, champ. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, this is little Jessica. Last year you prophesied. Here she is. We wanted you to meet her. What, what, what changed? What was the game changed? Just the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Let me give you the last two points. I know I'm out of time. I've got 14 seconds. Let me just say this very important. Prophesying is not positive speak. Don't, 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 don't be pulled in by the Decepticons. I like that C3 church there. They teach that new age. It's kind of real. You know, they teach you about the power of positive thinking. Like, you know, confess it and possess it. Blab it and grab it. That's not what we're talking about. Now, listen, there are absolute merits to positive speaking. But prophesying isn't positive speaking. Prophesying is actually you waiting upon the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you wait upon the Lord, God will give you a word. See, God says to Ezekiel, He says, prophesy to the dry bones. There's another another faction in church called the hyper-faith faction. And they live denying reality. You're not sick, you're just expressing symptoms. Your leg is not broken. Then, then why is my femur sticking out of my... I can't put any weight on it. It feels broke, you know. But, but, but they think by denying reality, somehow that's faith. Can I tell you, God doesn't live in an imaginary world. God lives in a superior kingdom. God lives in a superior kingdom with power and authority. Jesus said this, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You and I have access. When Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you and I have access to a heavenly kingdom, to a superior power, to a superior kingdom. And your job and my job and your assignment and my assignment, the great privilege that we have is that you and I can actually enter into that domain. We can enter into that kingdom. We've been invited into the kingdom of heaven. We can take a word from there and we can speak it into our valley. We can speak it and we can begin to change the narrative. Prophesying is taking a word from God and declaring it. Jesus is is on assignment. He's on assignment. He's got three years 
to create this, this edifice, this church that the 11 disciples after one betrays him left are going to have to carry on. And he gets a report that one of his dear friends, Lazarus, is sick and it's not looking good. And Jesus is torn because he loves Lazarus. but he, So because he can't physically get there, because geographically he can't leave assignment, Jesus does something powerful. He sends the Word ahead of him. He says, this sickness will not end in death. And then he carries on. Three days later, they come and Jesus says, all right, let's go to to Lazarus. And when they get there, he's dead. And they find out he's been dead for four days. So the disciples look at him and says, well, I guess you missed that one. You can't be right all the time. Jesus didn't say he wouldn't die. Jesus said it wouldn't end there. It wouldn't end there. Jesus is the Aleph Taf. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's not just the first. He's not just the beginning. He's the beginning and the end. The same quill that wrote in the beginning is the same quill that writes the end in the story. When Jesus is Lord of your life, the Bible says He's the author and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. Can I tell you, His quill has still got ink in it. And everyone else was saying, that's the end. That's the end of Lazarus. That's the end. That's the end of this story. And Jesus like, excuse me, are you the author and the finisher? Last time I looked in the Scriptures, the entire Torah from, from, from Genesis to the book of Revelation speaks about me. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I said this sickness will not end in death. I am the resurrection and the life. Where I go, resurrection goes, baby. When they put Lazarus's body in the tomb and rolled the stone and walked away with grief and pain in their hearts, they didn't realize that there wasn't just a decomposing corpse on a slab But hovering over him was the word of Jesus. This sickness will not end in death. That's why Jesus would say, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. Jesus didn't have to pray, didn't have to lay hands on him because he already declared it. He did the same thing for himself. He says, the Son of Man goes into Jerusalem where all that has been written of him shall come to pass. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, they'll beat him, and then he'll be crucified. But on the third day, he will rise again. Peter takes a sword, hacks off a guy's ear and Jesus said, Peter, put your sword away. He says, what do you want me to say? Father, save me from this hour. For this reason, I've come forth. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And because I lay it down, I have the authority to pick it back up again. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, He says, God, into your hands I commit my spirit. And He succumbed to death. But He had already prophesied that on the third day I will rise again. He laid His life down. No one took it from The Romans didn't have to fight His arm. He reached out His arms and took on the nails to save you and to save me. And because He laid His life down, He had authority on the third day to rise again. You prophesy in your valleys. Jesus prophesied in the valley of the shadow of death. You prophesy in your valley. You prophesy. You get a word from heaven and you prophesy. When we came to San Diego, they said you can't get churches and you can't get buildings. I thought, you know what? I ain't going to echo the narrative that's in the valley called San Diego. I'm going to change the narrative. We're going to speak the Word of God. We're not going to compromise. I'm going to hear from heaven. And what God tells me, that's what I'm going to say. But don't you understand, Pastor Jürgen, every time you preach, people walk out. Have you noticed? I've noticed. But I ain't turning the temperature down. Because I have to answer to God. 
And I know that what you hear today is going to change your life. I know what you hear today has the power to transform your valley. Prophesy in the valley. The last point was prophesy as you are commanded. Prophesy as you are commanded. Don't quit halfway through. Ezekiel prophesies and the Bible says that the bones started rattling and there was a noise and they came together. Sinews and flesh and skin came, but there was no life. Do you know how many Christians quit right there? Well, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. We tried that. You know what? We began to prophesy. We began to speak the Word of God, but you know, the bones came together. There was a noise. the, The vital signs seemed to go into remission for a moment. Well, you need to understand God is a God of process. God is, we, we, we don't like process. We like microwave. Bing! And it's ready. We're in McDonald's drive through and where's my fries? It's 45 seconds! We like, God created everything in six days. Because, you know, He couldn't do it in one. could have done it in one but he didn't he could have created the cosmos the constellations the expanse above the expanse beneath the dry land the water the plant life sea life animals he could have have done it all in one day he's God he can do whatever he likes but he doesn't first day second day does process so Ezekiel prophesies the bones come together but there's no life but then the word of the Lord comes again prophesy son of man prophesy to the breath prophesy to the four winds command the breath to come and the breath comes and then they rise up a a mighty army and then the word of the Lord comes again he says this is what the children of Israel say I need you to change the narrative prophesy again and say I'm opening up graves the greatest days are in front of you not behind you when he stood in the valley it spoke of a day that once was that was glorious but there was a battle and they were defeated and now there's demise but when God raised it all up the word of the Lord is the great game changer it's the great grave opener it's the great awakener whatever lies broken whatever lies dead whatever lies dormant maybe it's a dream maybe it's a business maybe it's a whatever whatever lies dead in the valley I want you to know the game changer is prophesy but don't just prophesy once you prophesy once the bones come together you prophesy again the breath comes you prophesy again and it begins to stand up. Don't quit prophesying. Prophesy as you're commanded. Prophesy as you're commanded. When when we came to San Diego, I had to prophesy. Things began to shift, but not everything. What do you do? You keep prophesying until you see the breakthrough. You keep prophesying until you see the breakthrough. You just take the Word of God and shoot the Word of God out. There's no shortage of Word. God watches over His Word to perform it. When you have God's Word in your mouth, you are at your penultimate. When you have God's Word in your mouth, you are operating the way that you were created. To be God's vice regent, to be God's ambassador. The the ambassador for the United States, no matter which, which consulate he's in, his job is to have the Word, the same Word, congruency. When you have the Word of God in your mouth, you have the full authority of the Kingdom of Heaven. 
The devil knows this. That's why when you try and wait upon the Lord, man, he, he, he'll, he'll create every distraction. Your phone will ring. The kids will set the curtains on fire. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff will happen. He'll try and distract you because he knows how dangerous it is for a son or a daughter of the Most High God to be waiting upon the Lord and the word of the Lord comes. Jesus defeats the devil. He says, hey, devil, it is written. Logos. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Rhema. Let me tell you where I live, devil. I live in between what God has said and what God is saying. What God has said and what God is saying. And everything that you bring to me, every temptation, everything you bring, I weigh it up in the balance between what has God said and what is God saying. And when you try and give me a doctor's report about, oh, terminal, well, let me tell you what God said in His Word, that He shall heal all my sicknesses and all my diseases. And let me just wait on God until I get a word. You can get a word from heaven one word from God changes everything but you know what the word does two things when the word goes in it brings comfort but you got to weaponize the word when the word comes in God God is a healer that's a beautiful thing and it'll comfort you but you can't just don't just live in comfort because you ain't you ain't created to coexist I know there are coexist bumper stickers and it seems PC and nice you ain't meant to coexist with the devil. You're not meant to coexist. There are things that Jesus defeated on the cross. You're not meant to live with them. You're to, to dominate over them. Oh, where'd you get that? First commandment in the Bible. Genesis 1:28. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. What is subdue? To bring under authority. Subdue and exercise dominion over everything. This is Adam and Eve before sin. How much more after sin do we going to bring devils and demons and disease and sickness and oppression and violence? Bring it under our... How do we do that? The, the Word of God. You shoot the Word of God. There is no higher authority. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word endureth forever. You bring the Word of God. Put the Word of God in your mouth. Begin to speak the Word of God. Come on, what do you stand to your feet? We're out of time. Come Come on, I, I want you to take, we're going to take 30 seconds. I want you to begin to prophesy. I want you to begin to prophesy. Now listen to me. Listen to me. You don't need to go to a priest for your breakthrough. God has given you direct access. When Jesus died on the cross, He made a way for you to have direct access to God. God Himself. God Himself will reveal Himself to you. God Himself will quicken His Word. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and He will give you the Word of God. Begin to speak the Word of God over your circumstance, whatever is lacking, whatever is lacking. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.